This is Creative Mornings, a new podcast showcasing the global creative community. This episode is brought to you by MailChimp. MailChimp helps businesses grow. If you're just getting started or you're already building a growing business, MailChimp makes it easy to connect with your customers and sell more stuff. It's totally free to get started, no expiring trial, and no credit card required. For more sophisticated marketers, pro features like multivariate testing offer the same power you'd expect in an enterprise marketing platform and an intuitive, easy-to-use interface. Learn more at MailChimp.com. My name is Noe Arteaga. I'm from Los Angeles, California. And in my hometown, the rooster goes, Hey everyone, welcome to the Creative Mornings Podcast. This is Matt, and before we get started, I just want to say thank you very much for listening. We're halfway through this second season, and if you have a quick moment, we would love it if you could just hop over to the iTunes store and leave us a review or a rating. It would be helpful to us, and thank you very much. Today's talk was given in Austin, Texas in June of 2014 by a woman named Katie Ford. And what's unique about this lecture is that a lot of times... These are inspiring to the listeners and to the audience members. You find yourself finishing an episode or leaving a venue if you happen to be at the Creative Mornings event with a motivation that may not have been there before. And while today's lecture may very well do that to you, it also does that for Katie Ford. At the time of her talk, Katie's professional life was going through a bit of a cleanse and the global Creative Mornings theme, appropriately, was freedom. So what you'll be listening to is a woman telling her story but also challenging herself in front of an audience. This made our Skype conversation pretty interesting because, as you'll hear, we get a real-time update on how Katie's life has been going since the talk. But before we get into that, here's Katie with a little background. Well, I've, uh, I've been a writer and editor uh, since 1993 uh, with magazines and newspapers, freelance and on staff, various situations. And um, at the time uh, that I did the Creative Mornings talk, I was uh, freelance. And I was basically a communications person and uh, event planner for a design build artist in town. Did you say design build? Yes, design build. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's a design build artist? A design build artist, well, let's see. He, he works uh, in all kinds of materials, but he designs and builds uh, both residential and commercial art. Yeah, these moments are really funny for me because it outs me as clueless sometimes to a lot of the things in the design world. And hosting this podcast as like a third party outsider has really taught me a lot, but it also makes me laugh at myself sometimes. Right. Well, and it's good to have a fresh pair of eyes and ears on things like this because, I mean, that's how what I experience as a journalist and a writer. I'm constantly talking to people who know more than me and, you know, and what I bring to the table is a narrative thread. So I, I can identify with what you're saying. <laughs> and so how did this Creative Mornings connection happen? Ben, with the Creative Mornings Austin chapter, was actually getting in touch with me because he wanted to talk with the design build artist about possibly doing a talk. And uh, he gave me the list of topics. And when I saw Freedom was the topic for May, I immediately thought of the volunteer work that I do uh, in, in a prison and um, and to be honest, I was seeing it as uh, an opportunity to gain exposure for the nonprofit and awareness and support for the nonprofit. Uh, but when I met with Ben to talk about 
uh, my idea of exploring freedom um, in the prison work, you know, he had his own ideas. And then there was, you know, and the result was the talk that I actually gave. And the talk that you actually gave is the first outdoors creative morning talk that we featured on the podcast. And I have to say, I was a little worried about how that would translate as audio only, but the atmosphere is really amazing. Your delivery and your message paired with the birds chirping and the trucks driving by in the distance makes this such a peaceful and calming lecture to listen to. Oh, thanks, Matt. There was a really unique quality about that morning. Um, that I can't really put my finger on other than it just felt, uh, it felt magical. Um, I, I was really sweating that, that talk. I'd never done anything like that. Uh, but something about that morning, I, I, I woke up and I was just extremely calm. Um, and I guess it's because I knew I had done uh, all the preparation and thought that I could possibly do. And at this point, I just needed to go over there and stand in front of those people and talk. And right now, we'll let you be one of those people. Here's Katie Ford in Austin, Texas from June of 2014 as part of a series on freedom. We hope it leaves you inspired and stick around after for more of my chat with Katie. We'll find out what she's been up to since. Good morning, everybody. Oh, man. I want to thank uh, Nick and Paige for giving me a little bit of inspiration and uh, telling me that I can make it. I'm feeling really emotional this morning. <laughs> I, I'm just so aware of ha uh, the freedom I have right now. With the sun shining in our eyes, it's a beautiful thing. So when I initially pitched my story to Ben... My story was centered on the volunteer work that I do at a prison in Lockhart. I work with women. I take them through a writing class where they're challenged to write the story of what led them to prison. And it's not just about creative writing, but it's, it's more of a chance for them to look back on their lives with honesty and connect some dots and identify some patterns and get a better understanding of how it is that they ended up where they are and maybe even more importantly, their role in getting themselves there. What's happening as they go through this process, it's an eight-week process, they're also having a personal liberation because in sharing their story, they're able to, un, to, uh, to let go of all of this uh, sorrow, shame, guilt, remorse, all of these things they've stuck deep down and have not dealt with. So it's a very liberating experience. So what I pitched to Ben was this irony that I see in this process that they're liberating themselves from these prisons that they have built up in here and in here. And it took going to a physical prison to get that. I thought that was a pretty solid pitch. I like that story. <laughs> um, and apparently Ben did too, because here I am speaking with you today. Uh, but as Ben was listening to me talk about my, the story, my pitch, he threw down a plot twist. He said, you know, Katie, I think that the prison is just the setting for another story, your story. Because I see a career journalist, a writer and editor, who is undergoing her own journey of self-discovery and transformation. 
And I think that's the story you need to tell. This made me really nervous, because <laughs> suddenly things got very personal. But I was up for the challenge, so I threw my script out, and I've, into the 11th hour, put this talk together. The story I'm going to share with you this morning is um, not polished. There's not even an ending to this story. It probably raises more questions than answers, but I want to share it with you. So here we go. Let's start in the classroom. I don't ask the women in my class to do anything that I wouldn't do. And the curriculum I follow is really unique in the sense that it asks that the facilitators do the work alongside the women. So every semester, I'm also writing the story that led me to prison, my metaphorical prison. You know, whatever it is that is keeping me from living authentically and fully and reaching my potential. Well, I have a confession to make. I've never been able to name my prison. I've given it a lot of thought, and nothing comes up for me. I think, you know, I'm a well-adjusted, healthy, positive person. I don't have any prisons. So while I'm facilitating this process and I'm watching the women go through this wonderful, liberating, you know, feeling, letting go of past pain and hurt, I I do the assignment very literally. I tell the story of what led me to Geo Lockhart unit to be a guest or to be a facilitator. And you know, it's that's an interesting story in itself, but it's not the assignment. And I've always felt like my story is missing the point. My prison has remained hidden from me. That is until now. Because in preparing this talk for you this morning, I've come face to face with my prison. I think a lot of us as creative professionals worry about financial security. I know I do. I've been in business for myself for about eight years, and I worry a lot about money. Um, I'm by no means a starving artist. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to, uh, you know, I've, since I've gone into business for myself, I've, I've bought a car, I've, I've bought my own house. Um, I've gone on vacations, unpaid vacations, but I've gone on vacations. You know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But, you know, there's not much separating me from going totally broke within a matter of months if, God forbid, <laughs> I'm in some kind of horrible accident or I come down with an illness that prevents me from working. I'm really aware of that. And I think I live with a certain level of anxiety, always wondering how am I going to fill the pipeline and where's that next paycheck coming from? Who's that next client I'm going to land? I take a lot of assignments that I don't really care about. You know, I've written white papers on biofuels and uh, edited handbooks on medical coding systems and all kinds of things, but it's because it promises a fat check, so I'll take it. <laughs> so technically, for 20 years, I've made a living as a writer and for the past eight years, I've made a living as a small business owner. And I'm really proud of those things because I, I particularly of owning my own business, because I fought hard for that freedom. When I was working at the Austin Business full time, but Business Journal full time, I, um, I was holding these secret meetings with business contacts, trying to figure out who my first client would be. And then I finally, after about a year of these talks, I found my first client and I went into business for myself. Um, 
I learned a thing or two about work-life balance. Um, and life started feeling really good after about a two, two years out on my own. I had won my pre freedom. I actually doubled my income. I worked when I wanted, with who I wanted. Uh, my schedule was my own. I had freedom, and it was fantastic. But at the same time, I started feeling like I was missing something. I, there was a tug inside. I was needing something more. So I decided, maybe I'll volunteer. At the time, I was living across the street from Metz Elementary School on the east side. And I was feeling really practical about the whole thing. I thought, I'm a writer and editor. Maybe I can help a kid with his spelling or reading. So I got my resume out, <laughs> and I walked across the street to the elementary school. And I was like, I'm here to volunteer. Um, they paired me up with a school counselor. And um, she put my resume to the side and asked me why I want to volunteer. And I just told her that I wanted to do something more meaningful. I, I was looking to work on something bigger than myself. And she told me about the Seedling Foundation, which pairs positive adult role models with uh, a child who has a parent in prison. I said yes, and I got pair paired up with a fifth grader, a little girl whose father was in prison. For the next two years, I had lunch with her for uh, once a week until uh, suddenly she just disappeared. Turns out her mother, single mother of four, couldn't hack it alone anymore, and she pulled all the kids out of school and they all went back to Mexico where they had more support. I was very quickly paired with another child. Unfortunately, there's no shortage of these mentees. This time a first grade girl who has a mother in prison. And it's when I was mentoring little Abigail that I went to a mentor training and I met a woman named Rutanya Pearson. I assume by Rutanya's demeanor and appearance that she's probably a counselor or a psychologist or a principal. But when it came time for her to introduce herself, she comes out with, I know firsthand how important mentors are in a child's life. Because my children had amazing mentors in their lives when I was locked up for 15 years. I could not believe what I was hearing, because first off, I had been mentoring kids whose parents had been sent off to prison for like three or four years now. And I had seen the damage and destruction that happens when the kid is abandoned and their life gets really chaotic. I had developed a pretty strong bias against these parents. I wanted to know, you know, how could they be so irresponsible and neglectful? I went up to Ratanya afterwards, introduced myself, and I said, I want to know more about you, and I want to know more about this organization you mentioned called Truth Be Told, this Austin nonprofit that works with incarcerated, incarcerated women, because apparently that organization had changed her outlook and changed her life, and I could see it in her. She was a transformed person. Well, she told me that Truth Be Told uh, hosts graduations at the prison, and you can volunteer to be a guest at this graduation. And she said, why don't you go? You can see the programming firsthand. So I went down to Lockhart, and I attended a graduation. It was my first time in prison. It was the, uh, December of 2009. The, uh, the graduation was held in the women's gym. It was cold. There was no central heat. There were no relatives with camcorders. 
it was just this kind of strange experience of us strangers who had volunteered to be respectful listeners at this graduation. And as I sat in that gym and I listened to these convicted criminals tell the story of what led them to prison, as I heard them talk about the chaos, the nomadic lifestyle, uh, the um, when, as I heard their, about their childhood, you know, the instability they had in their childhood, the neglect and the, uh, the abuse, I had this huge awakening. I was looking at this grown woman in these dark blue prison scrubs, these convicted criminals, these villains that I had a bias against, and I thought, oh my God, they were once little Abigails. This isn't about children in crisis. This is about entire families in crisis. This is about multiple generations with a family in crisis. This problem is so much bigger than I initially understood. But what I also heard when I listened to these women talk about the programming they were going through with Truth Be Told, I heard restored faith. I heard self-awareness and wisdom. I heard a, another chance, a chance to break the cycle. And I was really inspired, and I knew I wanted to be a part of that. So I, after that graduation, being very practical again, I approached Truth Be Told and I said, I would like to offer up my services as a writer and editor uh, pro bono. Maybe you have a website you need me to work on or something like that. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it turns out that at the time they were uh, looking for a writer who could host a creative writing workshop in the prison. And they asked if I'd like to do it. Now, I'd never taught anything in my life. I had no idea what the heck I would be able to teach these women or how I would even relate to them. But I said yes. So about a month later, I found myself heading back to prison for a second time. So there I was with these 30 women who had signed up to take my workshop. I remember one woman in particular, white woman in her 60s, grandmotherly type. She had painted her eyelids with what looked like blue magic marker because I assumed she didn't have money to buy real makeup at the commissary. And she was wearing these black rim reading glasses that the prison had just issued to her. And she told me with a smile as she walked into the room that she was real happy to get her readers because they made her feel smart. And she was really happy to have a class to go to today. And I had just cobbled together this lesson plan. I literally did a Google, a Google search on journal writing exercises. <laughs> and so for two hours, I took these women through this journaling class. We journaled and we shared and we journaled and we shared. And the whole experience felt dreamlike. It was surreal. All I kept thinking was, how is it that I've never taught anything in my life? It's my, only, my second time to set foot in a prison. But what I'm doing right now feels so natural. It feels so good. It's like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I was in this windowless classroom down the end of a windowless hallway I had walked through four sets of heavy steel doors that buzz open and closed, yet 
I felt liberated. I felt like the whole world had just opened up before me and that everything has locked into place inside me. Like everything I've experienced up until that time, all my heartache and joy, my successes and my failures, everything that was making me who I am, the woman I am now, was leading me to this moment and was preparing me for this. I drove home to Austin that day on fire with this new idea of who I am and what I need to be doing in my life. So I got trained to be a full-time volunteer facilitator with Truth Be Told. And since 2010, I've been going to the prison every spring and fall for 14 weeks and teaching a level one and level two uh, class. It's the most important thing I'm doing with my life. I've decided in recent years, in recent months, that this is what I need to be doing for a living. This is how I need to be earning my paycheck. This is not a side thing. This is not a volunteer thing. This is why I'm here. And I need to be doing this all the time. But it's going to take me fighting for my freedom again to do what I love for a living. And what I love doing is essentially expressive writing for healing. And I would like to work with women in prison specifically, but I'm being realistic and I can I know I might have to branch out, and I can think of so many other populations who could use this service. I'm thinking about soldiers coming back from deployment. I'm thinking about drug addicts who are trying to get clean. I'm thinking about the little Abigails who could use a safe, creative outlet to express their fears before her fears imprison her. I want to provide that service. But where's the paycheck in that? That's a really good question, because I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, so I've, I've deemed 2014 as the year of research and development. Um, <laughs> I'm a couple slides away. I'm sorry, and that distracted me. I was going to tell you that my metaphorical prison is the comfortable known, <laughs> the billable hour. Um, I've done all this research and development, or I'm, I want to. I have workshops that I think I need to take. I have uh, books that I think I need to read. Um, I'm wondering if maybe I need to go back to school and get another degree to do this. Um, I'm wondering uh, if there's a job already out there that exists that I just need to figure out where it is and I need to apply for it. Or I'm wondering if this job doesn't exist at all yet, and it's up to me to create it. I'm wondering all of these things as I sit in my metaphorical prison, which is the comfortable known, the reliable billable hour, the way I know how to make money. And I keep putting my research and development on hold. I feel stuck. I talk about it all the time, this is what I want to do, but am I doing it? Not yet. I'm sitting in my prison. But then, on Thursdays, I head out to Lockhart, and I get to work with women like Brenda, who was so painfully shy when she first came into my class 
barely ever said a word for weeks. She slipped a note into her homework assignment one time asking me if maybe she should quit the class because she's just learning to read and write and she's really intimidated, doesn't know whether she can do it. It was scrawled on this little sheet, torn off piece of paper. So next week in class, I pulled her aside and I said, Brenda, you can do this. If you have any questions, just come ask me. If I have any questions about what you wrote, I'll just ask you for clarification. Stick with it. Well, she not only graduated from level one, but she graduated from level two. And at the level two graduation, she caught all of us off guard by asking if she could get up on the microphone because she had written something that she wanted to read in front of everybody. And it was a thank you letter thanking us for believing in her and not giving up on her, for helping her find her voice, and for showing her that she's worth caring about. She's worth somebody's attention. And I think about young ladies like Casey, who's in my class right now. Casey, the daughter of a drug addict mother, a drug dealer father, who became a drug addict when she was in her teens and because of a series of really bad judgment calls, landed herself in prison at age 18, and she's now four years into her sentence. She's in my class right now, and a couple months ago, we were going through this meditation exercise. I was asking the women to meditate on a safe place, real or imagined. Flesh it out in your mind as best as you can. And then after the meditation, I had them do a creative writing exercise where they wrote about that place using all the five senses. And then after they wrote, we shared. We shared what our safe places were. Casey hadn't talked much that afternoon, so I called on her and asked if she would like to read. She picked up her paper like she was going to read, and then she put it back down. And she got all teary-eyed. And she said, I, I'm not going to read this because it's a lie. The truth is, it's been a really, really long time since I have felt safe. But this class, this room with you women, makes me feel safe. So when you guys were meditating, I didn't go anywhere. I just closed my eyes and I stayed right here in this room. That took my breath away. I had no idea how important that classroom was to her and what that meant to her. It reminded me what I'm fighting for, who I'm fighting for. I went into the prison thinking it was my job to inspire these women, but what it turns out to be is that these women are inspiring me to get out of my prison. Like them, every day I must make choices to either go toward freedom or back to my metaphorical prison. Being here today with you and preparing this talk, spending hours and hours trying to get my personal story together, what, what could have been billable hours, <laughs> is a choice toward freedom. I chose freedom for this morning. So I want to leave you with a question and a challenge. Is there an area in your life where you feel imprisoned? Spend some time thinking about that and see what comes up for you.
And if you're lucky enough to be able to know what your prison is, to be able to name it, give yourself a gift and spend some time thinking about what led you there. Because it's only when you can name your prison that you can do the terrifying but life-affirming and necessary work of setting yourself free. Thank you. We'll catch up with Katie Ford and see how things are going for her in a second. But first, we've got to take care of some business. And today's episode is also made possible by Hover, domains made simple. I spoke with Hover user Gina Trapani, a co-founder of a company called ThinkUp, which just launched their new product, MakerBase. MakerBase is like an IMDB for apps and websites and digital projects and, and artwork. And it's user editable, like Wikipedia. Running a company, the last thing Gina wanted to think about was managing her web domain. And her experience before Hover was less than pleasant. It was just terrible. And I felt bad about myself every time I gave them money. And so when Hover came along and I tried it and I saw how easy it was to use, how clean the design was, how few upsells, I moved all of my domains, which I had accumulated many over the years, over to Hover. And it's the first place I go and the first place that I recommend to anyone who is setting up a website. To get started on your big idea, head over to Hover.com and use the promo code CREATIVE to get 10% off your first purchase. Hover. Domains made simple. This season, I've been asking the what changes have you seen question a lot, because I'm in the fortunate position of speaking with people years after they've given their lectures. Right. But of all the season's speakers, it perfectly fits Katie Ford, because Uh you leave your talk with a mission for yourself. And so it's been two years since this talk. What's your progress been like? Have you broken free of the comfortable known? I I have broken free of the comfortable known. I have to say that uh, that Creative Mornings talk uh, really opened my eyes to a lot of possibilities. Um, After I gave the talk, I didn't leave that coffee house for a good hour because people were coming up to me, um, perfect strangers were coming up to me. Uh, either wanting to just personally share back what that what my talk brought up for them, or they had ideas of ways to support me and connections they wanted to give me, leads and things like that. And I just kind of like the first time I went into the prison uh, to facilitate a class, uh, I I left on fire, you know, with this new idea of who I am and what I what what the possibilities are. And so you know, it didn't. It didn't happen, you know, overnight. It's been a process, but since May of 2014, I've slowly but surely let go of some of the bow lines, <laughs> um, so to speak. Um, I was a desk editor for CNET News, and I let that go. Um, I was a communications freelance communications person for for an, an, an artist here in town. I let that go. Um, making space and room for new possibilities. And trusting that the the um, that the right opportunities would come in, right. And sometimes that trust is as simple as removing the blinders and exposing opportunities around us that our tunnel vision prevented us from seeing all along. Oh my gosh, so true. I mean, the whole thing, this whole thing of me going to prison, prison was not on my radar. That was not part of my my game plan, but it has become 
my life's work. I, I mean, I, I don't shy away from uh, calling it my calling. I have found, I found my calling in prison. And it's just like, you know, I certainly didn't come up with that idea. <laughs> and so how has that part of your life grown since giving this lecture? I went to the Aspen Ideas Festival uh, in Aspen, Colorado, um, where they examined the big issues going on in society, um, you know, our public education, our criminal justice system, our health care, things like that. And one of the big tracks they had and what attracted me to Aspen was they, they addressed mass incarceration. And what I really gleaned from that experience and being in those circles and listening to those lectures is that this idea that more restorative, rehabilitative work uh, and experiences uh, need to happen within our correctional system in order for any real correction to be happening, this is not just a lofty idea or a grassroots movement. This is, this is a burgeoning professional field that the establishment is recognizing needs to happen. So um, this really excited me because it made me realize that I have a place. Um, I, don't, I still don't know exactly where I fit in and how I will plug in, but there's a field for me. And another thing that's changed for you is that last year you started a small business, right? Right. Where you facilitate workshops that are inspired by the yeah. work you've done in prison. Using expressive arts to deepen your personal wisdom and to bring about healing is not something that only the incarcerated population can benefit from. You know, being human is a prerequisite for this work. And I want to bring those t same types of experiences out here into the community, into the free world. So, Katie, the last question I have for you is actually something I prepped you for via email mm -hmm. before we Skyped. And it's uh, how we end every episode. And the question is, how do you challenge yourself creatively? Okay. Um, I challenge myself creatively by continuing to use the tools and experiences and the wisdom that I learn while I'm in prison. Um, it might sound like an odd place to learn tools like that, but I have. And mainly what I'm learning are how powerful creative expression is in, in unlocking that personal wisdom. Um, so I use things like the expressive writing and journaling that we do in the prison. I've been uh, integrating that into my daily life out here. You know, I've, I've really made an effort to practice what I preach and, um, and it has helped me a lot. And Another tool I learned in there was the was authentic movement, which is sort of a moving meditation, a practice in listening to your intuition. And I used that a lot last year in 2015 uh, because I had turned 44 years old, which was the same age my mother was when she passed away. And that was a, a milestone year for me. It was um, very uh, interest, it was an interesting process getting my head around that reality. And I used authentic movement as and writing as tools to help me process that milestone year. Well, it seems like things are going great for you, Katie. And we thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. You can watch Katie's talk and browse the complete archives at creativemornings.com.
This week's rooster comes from Noe in Los Angeles, and we would love to hear what a rooster sounds like where you're from. So please send us your voice memos with your best impression to podcast at creativemornings.com. Next week, we'll hear some kid lessons from children's book author and illustrator, Dallas Clayton. And whether you admit it to yourself in front of a mirror in your bathroom with a hairbrush singing like a microphone, or in front of your class, or to your parents, or on stage in front of a bunch of strangers, the first step is being able to admit that you have a dream. Kid lessons. Our thanks to Katie Ford and everyone at Creative Mornings. This episode was produced and edited by S. Mateo with sound engineering, mixing, and original score by Devin C. Johnson at Little Library Studios in collaboration with S. Mateo Music. Follow us on Twitter at Creative Morning. Remember, it's singular. And use hashtag PodcastCM when you tweet at us. For a complete archive of talks or just to get involved, go to creativemornings.com.